Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 27 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AW Dynamite on TNT. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 83 of WrestleSubtopia continues. Happy Thursday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AW continues. And last night was AW Dynamite airing live from the UWM Panther Arena in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the first time AEW has ever run the city, and it is best remembered for the debut of CM Punk on Dynamite as the matches themselves did not mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. It felt like a glorified edition of Dark and or Dark Elevation. Don't get me wrong. Some matches got over, others did not, and some were not fit for this episode. But I will give AEW a lot of credit and that they hammered home the fact they have a pay-per-view in a little under two weeks. They hyped the card multiple times to let you know, by now, here's your lineup, let's go. And I wished that emphasis was set two or three weeks earlier and not a mad dash towards the finish line. Great hype for the casual viewer, but you need to hit those points more and more with Rampage in play as well on Friday nights. But without further ado, let's take a deep dive into last night's Dynamite, which kicked off with Orange Cassidy versus Matt Hardy. And this was a sneaky good match that had a bit of comedy and a lot of high drama down the stretch as we had Orange Cassidy deliver those very soft shin kicks to Matt Hardy as he chanted delete, delete. Every time Orange Cassidy delivered those very fake shin kicks to Matt Hardy. Eventually, Hardy mocked Cassidy by putting his hands in his pockets and pulling out $100 bills. And at that point, Orange drop kicks Matt Hardy and the money goes flying everywhere. And he proceeds to pocket some of the money before going for a tope. But then Matt Hardy catches him and hits a side effect on the floor. And Matt Hardy dominates this match for a long stretch, including stretching Cassidy against the ring post before breaking the five count. And he delivered a series of belly-to-back suplexes as well. Eventually, he picks up all the money and he takes the money that Orange Cassidy pocketed himself. And he proceeds to beat his ass. And this is a lot of heat that kind of brings the crowd down a bit. But Orange is able to recover a short time later and hit the tope on the outside on Hardy finally. Followed by a crossbody that hits Hardy dead in the nose. And he is bleeding everywhere. He is bleeding profusely. Blood is covering Orange Cassidy as well. Cassidy goes for a DDT, followed by the beach break, but his back gives out on him, which allows Hardy to hit Splash Mountain for a near fall. Eventually, Orange is going to pay tribute and or mock Matt Hardy by going up top, hands in pockets, and delivers a swanton bomb on Hardy for a near fall. He goes for Orange Punch. Hardy blocks that, but Hardy is hit with a twist of fate for another near fall that pops the crowd. Eventually, he goes for his leech submission on Orange Cassidy, but Orange is wily enough to avoid it and use the hands and pockets as leverage to pin Matt Hardy for the 1-2-3. Very clever finish to a very good match that exceeded expectations once Orange was able to get back into the thick of things down the stretch. But I give Matt Hardy a lot of credit as well as he worked through a bloody nose and it's hard to see and breathe in that situation. Went up top for an elbow drop at one point as well and he did not miss a beat The match never got sloppy. Everybody was in their spots and the fans were buying into every near fall when it counted most. So in that sense, Matt Hardy did his job and Orange Cassidy got the win. But Cassidy is not done with the Hardy family office as he will face Jack Evans 
next Wednesday during the Go Home episode of All Out on AEW Dynamite. Next up is Chris Jericho addressing the fans regarding his future in AEW after losing to MGF during the fifth labor of Jericho last week. And he noted, this is my third loss to MJF dating back to last year's full gear. I lost blood and guts. I lost last Wednesday. And now I really don't know what to do with myself. And fans tell me it's okay that you lost. You're Chris Jericho. And that's exactly the problem. I'm Chris Jericho. And stuff like this usually doesn't happen to me. So I got to really take inventory and stock into my career and my place in AEW. Do I still deserve a spot? on this show can I still call myself Le champion I don't know but it's been eating away at me all week I can't sleep I can't think about nothing besides beat MJF beat MJF that mantra is beating in my head over and over and over again and I have to have one more match against MJF at all out and here's my offer MJF if you choose to accept it If I win, I can find peace at long last that I finally beat you one-on-one, the final fight. But if I lose, I promise never to wrestle in AEW again. I will be a full-time commentator on AEW Rampage. I might do the occasional dynamite as well, but I will be a full-time commentator, period, full stop. So that is my offer, MJF. If you choose to take me up on it and MJF comes out and he says, oh, Jericho, I heard you in the back begging for another match. And at first I thought, why won't this guy leave me alone? Because I've beat you three times in a row. I even have a T-shirt to say so. But then I thought about it. I thought about the fact that tapping you out is great, but ending your career is even better. And despite my feeling of you milking me dry because daddy's all out of milk, my udders are sore, I'm going to take great pleasure in being the man that retires you. And Chris Jericho, we always go back to the simple fact that I'm better than you and you know it. And MJF drops the mic and he is ready to end Jericho's career at all out. And quite frankly, I am here for the stipulation and for Jericho to sit down and become a full-time commentator minus the screaming and being so over the top as I think you let MJF complete the clean sweep. Let him go 4-0. I don't want to see 3-1 on the t-shirt. Jericho should lose clean as a sheet. That is how you send a message that MJF is getting over with full credibility by taking out a legit goat of this business and Chris Jericho. And it makes total sense. Jericho signed to AEW two and a half years ago, and he was one of the cornerstones of the early days of this promotion. He was the inaugural champion, a great champion at that. And on night one, he formed a faction that got over quickly, and he was still popular despite being a heel. He passed the torch to John Moxley at last year's Revolution pay-per-view in Chicago, a very memorable show. Then he feuded with Orange Cassidy in the surprise hit of the summer in terms of a feud that I did not expect to love, but I did. Then we transitioned to last fall 
with MJF trying to worm his way into the inner circle, having a song and dance number with Chris Jericho, which culminated in a match of full gear that saw MJF join the inner circle and cause friction from within before sabotaging the crew and joining the pinnacle in the process earlier this spring. So all of this has been building up for almost a year now, and every step of the way, MJF was outsmarted and beat Chris Jericho. There is no better finale than to beat him 4-0 in Chicago at All Out because Chris Jericho realizes my work is done. This company is established and the next guys are up, such as a CM Punk, presumably a Daniel Bryan as well, among others. And now it's my time to step out of the spotlight, be a commentator, be a backstage contributor and just let these guys shine. And Jericho has zero ego in that regard because he's so giving as a performer. And when he notes that I will jump MJF backstage at his house in the parking lot anywhere because I am fixated on beating this man one time. I need to do it once. And that is going to be the hook to see if he can beat this man one time, pin him, submit him, Can I get the one win over MGF? And if he can't, he's done. And it's very believable. And MGF is going to be a ready-made king when it's all said and done. He will have the bragging rights and saying, I am the man at 25 years old that ended Chris Jericho's illustrious career. Now he's riding the commentary table on Rampage. How about that? And it's the sweetest revenge of all for a heel to say, I got rid of the goat. Look at me now. Who can stop me? That is the ultimate brag. And I am here for it. And we shall see if it really happens in a couple of weeks at All Out in Chicago. Will Chris Jericho say sayonara to the ring? Will he be strictly a commentator on Rampage? Can he put his name in the rafters in the shy when it's all said and done to give MGF the ultimate opportunity to say, I am better than you and you know it. And it's a perfect way to culminate a blood feud that is rooted in animosity, jealousy, obsession, hatred, and most of all, wins and losses do matter at the end of the day. Next up is Lucha Brothers, Ray Phoenix, and Penta L0M versus the Varsity Blondes, Griff Garrison, and Brian Pillman Jr. with Julia at ringside. And this was a good match that was a bit sloppy down the stretch, but I got to give Brian Pillman Jr. credit for thrust kicking Pentagon Jr. and living to tell the tale, as that is not an easy thing to do as he got chopped in the chest as you go picture in picture. We come back and Ray Phoenix gets the hot tag and he delivers a mule kick to Griff Garrison, followed by a springboard cutter to Brian Pillman Jr. We have Penta trying to package pile drive Garrison on the ring apron, but Brian Pillman Jr. makes the save. By missing a drop kick that knocks Penta off the ring apron, no less. But the Lucha Brothers recover and deliver stereo thrust kicks to both Garrison and Pillman before Ray Phoenix goes through the ropes with an assist from Penta and delivers a gorgeous Tope Konohiro. But as they get back in the ring, Garrison is able to post Penta against the barricade, followed by Pillman Jr. powerbombing Ray Phoenix for a near fall. But eventually, 
the Lucha Brothers take out Garrison and they hit Pillman Jr. with double thrust kicks once again, followed by the package power driver for the one, two, three. After the match is over, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus get in the ring to confront their opponents this Friday in the tag team eliminator final. And it's all good until the Young Bucks, who are watching the match from the main stage, get in the ring and they shove Jurassic Express into the Lucha Brothers, but they realize They've been duped by the Young Bucks and Luchasaurus and pinned a super kick at the Bucks off the ring apron and on the floor as Jungle Boy and Ray Phoenix play cleanup by delivering a double toe pay to the Bucks and the Good Brothers for a good measure to wrap up the segment. And I'm here for the finals of the Lucha Brothers versus Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. I cannot wait to see Jungle Boy and Ray Phoenix work together. That should be amazing. The same goes for Luchasaurus and Penta as well. As I mentioned last week, this is a match kind of two years in the making because they were supposed to meet in the tag team tournament for the inaugural AEW World Tag Team titles, but Luchasaurus suffered a hamstring injury that kept him on the shelf for a few months back in 2019, and I want to see this match given plenty of time on Rampage on Friday, and hopefully Jurassic Express gets the win because I get the feeling that the Lucha Brothers are going to be a bit more preoccupied with Pac versus Andrade Idolo at All Out in a couple of weeks as Andrade has been recruiting them to join his team as of late. And I can smell a turn if everything goes according to plan at All Out in a couple of weeks' time on pay-per-view and Bleacher Report. Next up is Red Velvet versus Jamie Hayter. And this was a good match until the finish, which was very unfortunate. I got to give Red Velvet credit because she did her dives on the outside and she did not break her neck as she tried to do a couple of months ago on Dynamite that scared the absolute shit out of me. But she protected herself and landed those dives perfectly. As we go to picture in picture with Brett Baker attacking Red Velvet behind the referee's back, we come back and we have Hater and Red Velvet trading shots in the ring, very bruising. And it's kind of a cold match because Red Velvet is in this awkward position of beefing with Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, who is a heel, by the way, but the fans love her. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, this can pose a problem for the baby faces of the AEW women's division in that they will get bulldozed by Britt Baker and her star power, even though she is supposed to be a heel. The fans absolutely rock with her all day, every day. And it would be in AEW's best interest to really have Britt get heel heat. She's done it before and it's time to really tap into that because you don't want to hurt future baby faces that will line up against her at some point, especially heading towards the end of the year. As we get towards the end of the match, I get the sense that things are slowing down a bit. Red Velvet's kind of bouncing off the ropes funny, that she might be knocked a bit loopy due to a shot courtesy of Jamie Hayter early on. And she goes for a moonsault and she completely whiffs. It's awkward. She gets the dreaded faint you fucked up chant before a hater hits the lariat for the one, two, three, which was a sick lariat to get the win. And it kind of ended things on a flat note. Up until that point, they were trading shots. Red Velvet sold her ass off. And to me, she felt a bit off down the stretch of this match, which kind of took away from the finish a bit. But besides that, they worked well together. Then we have Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter jump. Red Velvet in the ring until Chris Statlander make the save and she actually grabs the AEW Women's World Championship and poses with it as Britt Baker looks on and that sets up their match in a couple of weeks on pay-per-view which should be good but this is a traveling Chicago crowd they love themselves and Britt Baker and I expect unfortunately the babyface and Chris Statlander to get booed out of the building unless she gets those fans on her side by having the match of her life but we shall see. Next up is 
CM Punk's Dynamite debut. Tony Schiavone introduces him, and CM Punk once again gets an amazing ovation. A ton of CM Punk chants. You have no idea how much I've missed cult of personality playing over the loudspeakers and arenas across the country. And the sight of him being happy and smiling and just joyous was wonderful to see once again. And Tony Schiavone tries to ask a question. And CM Punk says, I can't hear you, Tony, because they're so loud. And they chant even louder for CM Punk. And Tony says, what was the number one reason why you decided to get back into professional wrestling here in AEW? And CM Punk says, to work with the younger talent in the back, such as a Jungle Boy and a Ray Phoenix and a Penta and a Brian Pillman Jr., those kind of guys remind me of why I love this business so much. And I think it's time to retire this notion of me being the voice of the voiceless. This place has a voice. You are the voice. And they listen to you. And the fans pop for that. And he notes that I picked Darby Allen first because he's a risk taker. He's a daredevil. He will do anything to put his body on the line. He has little regard for his career longevity. And when you see a guy that is not the prototypical professional wrestler in terms of size and height, but you know what? He has talent and God damn it, he has a lot of heart. And I see myself in him. That's somebody I could rock with when I was 15 years old. But right now he's a measuring stick. Right now he's a standard. I want to see if I can still live up to in 2021. Can I still call myself the best in the world if I beat Darby Allen? I'm not here to prove that to the haters. I'm here to prove that to myself, that I am still that guy, that I am still one of the best, if not the best in the world at what I do. And I got to have that match with Darby Allen to prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Does CM Punk have enough in the tank to get it done in Chicago of all places? That's my test. And the fans are chanting, yes, 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 yes. And CM Punk kind of lets a secret slip in that, you know what, that's someone else's shtick. And I think you're going to need a little bit more patience. And that was a wink, wink, and a sign that Brian Danielson is not that far away from AEW. And <laughs> that was very telling and not surprising in the least as he got to the heart of his promo saying, I got a lot to prove to see if I can still call myself the best in the world. Am I still worthy of that title? We'll find out at All Out. But I want to thank you, Tony, and the fans, and a special shout out to my beautiful wife, April, watching at home. I love you. He blows her a kiss, and he is done. And... The joy this man projects is lovely and it comes from a real place. And as I mentioned Friday, passion is everything. You have to have passion for what you do. And CM Punk has found the passion for professional wrestling again, the hunger to give back and to deliver in-ring classics against the Darby Allen, against the Jungle Boy, against the Ray Phoenix, against so many guys he admires backstage and to shine a spotlight on them in the best possible way. And he's so fucking happy. And it's wonderful to see a guy that is sincerely thrilled to be there, to dab up the fans, to hug Tony Schiavone, to really say, I'm back and I'm happy. I'm in a good place and I'm ready to kick some ass, throw some subtle shade at WWE. And it's all facts because you are now in a place that fosters creativity and there is no doctrine of you must be six foot five you must be 250 you must be the prototype in order to be a star in professional wrestling 
And Darby Allen bucks that trend and he's over and he pulls a mill for his main event segments most weeks when he's in that spotlight. And that's tremendous for him. And CM Punk sees that and realizes that. And you're facing a guy that is not afraid to put his body on the line every single night. And he uses his body as a weapon a lot of the time as well. He is a walking demolition derby and CM Punk has got to face that at All Out and find a way to survive And I think that could be the match of the night because we have not seen CM Punk in a ring competing professionally for seven and a half years. And it's going to be a treat to see how he tries to navigate the enigma known as Darby Allen and what you put your body through in order to come out on top. And that is going to be the most intriguing matchup of all. But overall, a great Dynamite debut for CM Punk cutting a stellar promo per the usual and being so happy. And that's what I love the most. And this was easily the peak of the show as we basically travel down the dark and dark elevation rabbit hole for the last hour of this show. But I do want to touch on some backstage vignettes, including the Dark Order beefing from within, Yves Uno trying to get Alex Reynolds and John Silver back on the same page. But Alex Reynolds was having none of it saying that we wanted to help Hangman Page a couple of weeks ago and you told us no. And Eva Uno told them, listen, he told us that he did not need our help and he wanted to do this on his own. So I listened to him and we need to listen and respect his decision and you need to respect my decisions as well. And Alex Clabback saying, you might be Eva Uno, but that does not mean that you are the leader of the Dark Order And Uno says, well, you need to stop living in John Silver's shadow. And from there, it was on Silver and Reynolds walked away and Coca Banner was trying to chirp and it was not working. So we have dissension in the Dark Order. It makes me very, very sad. But as always, I'm all for the drama and the eventual fallout and if they can reconcile down the road. But wow, this made me a little sad when it was all said and done. Next up was Miro with his weekly prayer challenging the Mad King, Eddie Kingston, to a match for the TNT Championship as he wants to baptize Eddie Kingston before whooping his ass. And he wants to do it in front of God and his wife. And I love Miro. Miro is the best. His weekly prayers to God are always a highlight for me. And finally, we get some very somber news from Cash Ruler from FTR noting that when his arm got hooked against a post a few weeks ago, he lost feeling in his arm. He cannot grip, there's nerve damage, and he wonders if it's worth it, and he's going to give it a go one more time with Dax Harwood versus Proud and Powerful Santana and Ortiz next Wednesday in Chicago during the Go Home Show for All Out on Dynamite. And I feel for Cash Wheeler because those tendon injuries are not a joke. They can cause permanent nerve damage and he posted pictures online of the injury on Twitter last night and they were graphic and I wonder if he's rushing back in the ring too soon because if you can't grip and you can't feel anything you're not only putting yourself at risk but tag team wrestling is a give and take and you want to make sure you're protecting your opponent just as much and if you can't feel something and you can't even grip and do the basics That is a concern. Hopefully he can do enough, but it's definitely risky. And I feel for him. He's been through a lot in terms of injuries over the last two or three years. And this was a freak accident. The hook, cutting your skin open and ripping a tendon, that sucks. And hopefully 
it can heal up in time and he can regain sensation in his arm and his hand. But my God, that was a tough story. But he appeared in the frame with Dax Harwood ready to fight next week. And we shall see how he holds up in Chicago. And I know their match in North Carolina was not as great as it could have been due to the injury, maybe based on pure emotion and adrenaline. It will be special come next Wednesday, but we shall see as we reach the home stretch for All Out next Sunday. Next up is Eddie Kingston and Darby Allen versus the Wingmen's J.D. Drake and Cesar Bernoni. And let's cut to the chase. I got my life as Sting, I down... Peter Avalon and for some reason he had an itch to beat the absolute shit out of Cesar Bononi and I laughed my ass off we had John Moxley biting the face of JD Drake at one point after Eddie Kingston delivered a Uranagi and Darby Allen gets a hot tag and delivers a avalanche code red to JD Drake and the finish comes a short time later with Sting John Moxley and Eddie Kingston whooping ass to the wingman at ringside as Darby goes for the float over stunner followed by the coffin drop on JD Drake for the one, two, three. When the match is over, Sting is chasing down Cesar Bononi and whooping his ass over the barricade. Don't ask me why I was laughing because the visual of Sting needing to beat this man's ass was awesome. But the distraction of whooping so much ass caused Darby Allen to be attacked from behind by Daniel Garcia to renew their grudge from a couple of weeks ago. And I would love to see them run it back. But right now, the primary focus should be Darby Allen versus CM Punk at All Out and not this side feud involving the wingmen and 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. Just too much going on right now. A little bit too busy. But Sting whooping ass to Cesar Bernoni made my night in more ways than one. Next up is... Don Callis looking like a hybrid of Pepto-Bismol and the Energizer Bunny in a hot pink suit alongside Kenny Omega and the rest of the elite as Christian Cage comes out to cut off this mutual admiration society bullshit. And he notes that Don Callis fired him after a match in his promotion years ago against Lance Storm. And Don Callis says, I saw someone much better than you and Kenny Omega at 10 years old. I saw a prodigy and I ran with him. And I left you in the dust. That's what any sensible manager and promoter would do in that situation. They would realize that it's time to cut their losses and move on and hitch their wagon on the next best thing. And 25 years later, I have been proven correctly as Kenny Omega is the best in the world today. And he will show you up and outclass you at All Out. And Kenny Omega had a funny line in saying, you think you know me? You think you know me? Very Edge and Christian early 2000s and then Christian tired of this carny shit punches Don Callis in the face and then he gets jumped by Brandon Cutler who sprays the cold spray in Christian's eyes Kenny Omega and Don Callis join in on the beatdown but fortunately Frankie Kazarian the elite hunter makes a save which sets up a tag team match featuring Christian Cage and Frankie Kazarian teaming up for the first time ever versus Kenny Omega and Brandon Cutler in which I presume to be either the opener or the main event of AEW Rampage this Friday. And that should be a lot of fun. Okay, segment to hype up Omega versus Christian Cage for the AEW World Championship at All Out in a couple of weeks' time on pay-per-view and Bleacher Report. Next up is by far the most pointless match on the show, the Gun Club 
Austin, Colton, and Billy Gunn versus The Factory in the form of QT Marshall, Nick Camarado, and Aaron Solo. And Paul Wright was on commentary. And this match was a complete waste of time. Let's get to the finish. QT Marshall was distracted by Paul White and Colton Gunn wrote him up for the one, two, three. The end. <laughs> it was a waste of time. And the fans did not care. And you know I already do not care about QT Marshall as a heel in any way, shape, or form. And I care even less about Paul White versus QT Marshall at All Out in a couple of weeks on pay-per-view and Bleacher Report. But here we are. Go Paul White, knock his ass out, choke slam him. One, two, three, make it fast and keep it simple. The end. And now it is time for the main event. And let me say that again. Now it is time for the main event, which is Malachi Black versus Brock Anderson. You heard that correctly. Brock Anderson has main evented a dynamite in 2021. And outside of a brief flurry of offense, Malachi Black beat his ass with a jumping knee. Arn Anderson is at ringside with the white towel to throw it in at any time he refuses to do so. And Malachi Black hits Black Mass on Brock Anderson for the one, two, three. And when the match is over, Arn is trying to be there for his son. And Malachi Black goes for Black Mass once again on Arn. Arn blocks it, but Malachi low blows him, hits a Black Mass, grabs his steel chair, and is going to do more damage until Lee Johnson runs out and gets Malachi out of the ring. As we have a stare down between Lee Johnson and Malachi Black as Dynamite goes off the air. This is how the show ended on the flattest of notes. When you put this kind of squash match in the main event, you would expect a splashy return. Maybe Cody Rose comes back for the pay-per-view and ambushes Malachi Black to end the show. Is there another surprise debut we are unaware of for AEW? None of that happened. This was a very flat ending to the show. And when you see footage online of Giannis Antetokounmpo reigning defending NBA champion MVP of the finals, two-time NBA MVP for the regular season is there in the building. Why isn't he out here to provide some juice to save this particular segment? This was a choice to end the show on, and I was not a fan of it. When you have a star of the caliber of CM Punk, you think that is going to carry the show. To a point, that is correct. But if I am trying to capture the casual fan I want to present some good matches ahead of All Out. And they did a great job promoting the pay-per-view numerous times. Home stretch time, you got to do it. But the match quality felt very dark and elevation light. And that is what you don't want to do when you're trying to grab those new viewers. Rampage was the perfect mix of star power and the debut of CM Punk anchoring your show. Last night, he enters the scene during the second hour. And from there, you present a very flat second hour in the ring. And that is not the impression you want to leave heading into quite possibly your biggest show of all time with Punk as your draw. So it will really behoove AEW for future reference when you're running a show for the first time in the market to make it as memorable as possible besides the name value of a CM Punk. You got shows in September in New York, Arthur Ashe Stadium specifically, with the presumed debut of Daniel Bryan, a.k.a. Bryan Danielson, 
and you're not going to have a soft lineup for those shows. And it's equally important when you're running Milwaukee for the first time. Yes, up until Friday, CM Punk was not considered to be on this show. And when his debut happened, it's official. He's in AEW. He's going to be on Dynamite. Move tickets. But you know, at its core, AEW is about great wrestling and the star power. And outside of Punk, it was lacking last night. And that is not the impression you want to leave for your first run in Milwaukee. And they already sat through dark before Dynamite. And you gave them dark extra (laughs) before Rampage. And you kind of got to give them a bit more than that as you get into the heart of your pay-per-view hype. That is my critique. This was an IH show, probably the weakest Dynamite in terms of matches I've ever seen in my life. And that is saying something, but it's true. And hopefully they bounce back next Wednesday. But I think Friday for Rampage will be a bit better with the Bunny versus Ty Conti, followed by Brandon Cutler and Kenny Omega, the AEW World Champion versus the Impact World Champion Christian Cage and Frankie Kazarian attack team match, followed by the finals of the tag team eliminator featuring Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus versus Penta L0M and Ray Phoenix with the winners. Moving on to face the Young Bucks for the AEW World Tag Team titles at All Out inside of a steel cage, which should be absolutely amazing regardless of the winner. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 27 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TNT. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at WrestleSubtopia. There you can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on the semi-daily, recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. Feel free to download past episodes on all of your favorite podcast directories, dating back to season one as I passed episode 300 this past Tuesday as we get ready for All Out in a couple of weeks' time featuring the AEW in-ring debut of CM Punk versus Darby Allen. So you know what to do. Search Russ Subtopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn plus Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back Saturday morning with episode number two of the SmackDown Wind Down slash AEW Rampage Late Night Rager. Until then, enjoy your Thursday and your Friday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.